Unity Water is proud to sponsor this podcast series because we believe great news, great solutions and great outcomes deserve to be shared. See what we're all about at unitywater.com. You're listening to the Australian Water Association's podcast series. I'm Hazel Flynn and here with me now is Joel Spry, Program Coordinator for Living Water Smart, a power and water corporation in the Northern Territory program to change behaviour. Welcome, Joel. G'day, Hazel. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Thanks for joining us. Darwin has a water problem, but a lot of residents just don't believe that, do they? No, and it's really hard not to. We had just over two metres of rain. Our wet season's just finished, so it rains and it rains a lot. I've come from a climate in Victoria where we had average rainfall of around 330 millimetres. To have two metres of rain, we have we had a, an event that was 200 millimetres of rain overnight in Darwin. So it is quite difficult to believe that we could actually have a water problem. But the city's grown a lot and the dam and supply hasn't really grown much at all. So we've reached that point where we either need to reduce the amount of water that's used in Darwin or look at building a new dam. So you know, the obvious solution is, well, instead of spending millions and millions of dollars building a new dam, we should really have a look at how much water is actually used. And is it true that um, in Darwin around 70% of the residential water used goes on either gardens or leaks? Yep. That is is. (laughs) mind-blowing. That's what we've found. We've done over 500 water efficiency consultations as part of Living Water Smart where we went out to individuals' homes and assessed where they use their water and that's what we found. found 7-0, 70%. 70%. Good Lord. It, It is it's a staggering amount and we do have a high water use per capita in Darwin anyway but you know throw that in mm. yeah there's room for pot- <laughs> there's a lot of potential <laughs> potential exactly yeah. um and and you know really as you said the old way of tackling the problem would have been to throw money at it and to create infrastructure but you actually thought laterally and came up with this very interesting living water smart program tell us how it works so the Living Water Smart program itself focuses on, on three areas, so the resident, residents, government, government areas and commercial as well. So we, we're really targeting, as you said before, those leaks and gardens, trying to reduce irrigation. We found that a lot of people in Darwin, the majority of people, if not all, water seven days a week, the water their plants seven days a week. We went last year, we had 155 consecutive days without rain, so it is a lot. The climate is different to pretty much anywhere else in Australia, but it is excessive. Plants don't need water every day. So that's what we're really focusing on there. And we've got government initiatives as well, as well as commercial, as we were talking about. But one of the things that I'm really excited about and passionate about is working with school kids. It's, uh, they have great potential and they, they can really do the work for us. So if we can teach them the benefits and the reasons why we should be using less water, they can go and teach mum and dad, they can annoy mum and dad. They're often hard to access members of our community, the people who don't really take notice of our ads that we might put on TV. Or say if we painted a bus, for example, they might see, they might see that once or twice and that's it. But these kids that we, that we have access to, they can do our advertising for us. All right, so tell us about the, uh, the school program. You were really looking at um, years five and six, yep. so kids at the end of their primary school years. What happened, what did they do, how long did the program run for? Well, we were getting calls constantly from schools, or 
and with teachers in that five, six area saying, look, you know, we're studying water, can you come in, present to us for about half an hour, and that's it, really. So we didn't know if our messages were getting through. It was really a waste of our time going there for half an hour. Wasted the kids' time. Probably the teachers benefited because they could have half an hour off because they had someone in there. We just weren't finding any, any value in it. So we thought pretty long and hard. We thought, well, what's the best way to actually do this? Is there going to be any benefit for us investigating and investing money into the school system? We had a good thinking, so, well, yeah, let's create a unit around the whole Darwin water story. Kids and teachers are really keen to learn about water, yet they're learning about water in China, in Africa. What's the point? <laughs> It'll be very, very interesting, and I, I have two kids myself, and I'm more than happy for them to be learning about water use in overseas country, but why, why don't we learn about what's happening in our own backyard? And we've got all these scientists and engineers at Power and Water, we've got business managers, we've got a heap of professional people who are really, really intelligent and have so much to offer these kids, why don't we get them involved? So we developed an inquiry-based unit of work that was ready to go for the school. So it was a good mix of the teachers having some responsibility and ownership because they had to teach four or five lessons and then we would come in in a structured way to present on what we do and the Darwin Water Story for about four or five lessons as well. So it was a real combination. And at the end of it, kids would come up with their own social change project. So they were the ones who were investigating. So we had questions about what do we know about water? Where do we use water? How much do we use? How much do we need? And do we have enough water? And then at the end of the program, the kids would come up after they've explored all of that themselves. So we weren't prescriptive in what it was. The inquiry-based unit of work really gives us that freedom so that the kids can explore it them themselves rather than saying, this is what it is, you must remember this. We ask questions like, well, what do you know about water? And they go, go through, well, we use it for swimming, we use it for drinking, all this sort of stuff. And, well, how much water do we use? And then they have to find out themselves where the water use is. And then they come up at the end, well, we actually haven't got enough here in Darwin. And if we don't want water restrictions, we've never had water restrictions in Darwin before. So if we don't want water restrictions, what are we gonna do? And we had so many amazing, social change products. We had one girl wrote a song about the Darwin water use. We had plenty of posters, we had board games, we had videos that kids would show and there's some on our YouTube site, our Living Water Smart YouTube site. We had all these different ways. The kids were coming up with solutions themselves. We actually learned a fair bit as well. It was, <laughs> it was quite beneficial, yeah, yeah. And then it wasn't just a, uh, you know, here's a project, I've done my song or I've done my poster, I hand it in, and then we forget about everything. Because they actually, as you said before, they really took that behavioural change back to their families, didn't they? Absolutely. And one of the benefits is that there's 10 lessons. So there's 10 hours of exposure to the Darwin water story. <laughs> 10 hours is a lot in terms of if we were going to put 10 hours of ads on TV costs a lot of money <laughs> but and the, the reach is very minimal in in my view but yeah as you were saying they took it back to they took it back home so evaluation was a big key to our work so we asked the kids what their knowledge was what their skills were and what their experiences were in terms of water use before they started learning about it and also after so we got some pretty 
cool stats back saying that they'd taken this home to their parents and that they were using a lot less water or less water, they were having shorter showers, they had an awareness, they were telling people about it. It was really, really cool. So we worked out in the first year of this where we had 220 students go through, we estimated that we'd reduce water use by about 24 megalitres, which is it's really substantial. nice. Substantial. Yeah, substantial. It is, and it's really nice to be able to say that because everyone says to you, "Oh, you work with schools. Oh, that must be so nice to do." And they say, "Oh, well, what are you doing? You know, you're making a difference." Well, yeah, we can actually measure it. Of course, there's going to be a little bit of interpretation there, because it's not exact. We didn't follow people's water consumption, water use at their water meter, but we asked them the questions, and we got significant differences between when we started and when we finished. Yeah, we're pretty happy with that. I would be happy too. I tell you what, as the parent of teenagers, I wish my kids in years five and six had learned to take shorter showers. Yeah, well, that's it. It's creating some value with water, creating some awareness as well. And that's what we're really after. And 10 weeks, we think, is much more beneficial. It takes a lot more work and takes a lot more commitment from Power and Water and from anyone who's going to be going into the classroom. But there's some real value to be provided, to be gained from it. Well, it seems that one of the things that really made it work was that you embedded it into the curriculum. So it touches on all different areas that the curriculum is going to be covering anyway. It connects into those. And also that you gave the teachers support, because as you said, they needed to teach some of the lessons, but you didn't just throw them in there and say, here's a brochure, read from it. You actually really gave them good training and support, didn't you? Oh, absolutely. And we were very lucky. Two of the keys to making this work, apart from the commitment from Power and Water, were we had Pat Norton from Atria Group, but we also had Department of Education on site. So they were two real keys. So Pat with his experience in developing these types of programs through, but the Department of Education were right behind it and they really helped us spread the message. Because uh, sometimes the departments can be blockers, but not in this case. It was really, really good. And why wouldn't it be? Like we're doing their STEM work, so their science, technolo science, technology, engineering and maths. Certainly the Department of Education in the Northern Territory have a great focus on STEM and trying to get that more into classrooms. And here we are with all these scientists and engineers at Beck and Call, basically. We want to get them into the classroom and inspire these kids, give them an opportunity to say, hey, maybe I could do that. Maybe I could be there designing the next water storage for Darwin. Maybe I can do that. Maybe I can study at CDU at the local university, a science degree or an engineering degree. And you did get that, didn't you? That was one of the quantifiable results where kids were actually saying, I could see locally a STEM career for myself that I didn't see that was there before. Yep, that's what we're after, creating these inspiring, these childhood memories. Everyone's got a memory of primary school. I'm sure if you think back, Hazel, there'd be something <laughs> that pops into your mind straight away about primary school. It's what we're after. We want to create these memories as well. Yeah, and it was such a success that it's actually being expanded in a major way now, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. We're really keen to roll this out. So we're doing, we call it That's My Water, uh, because that's my water. That's what we want the kids to say. And that's what they do say. They say if they see a leaking tap or sprinklers not working properly, they say, hey, that's my water. Turn that off or fix it or whatever. So we run that program that's core to our water saving initiatives now. So we run that with primary schools. It is a bit labour intensive, so we can't just roll it out in every primary school. But that's the way we want it. We want schools who are interested. We want teachers who are interested. We don't want 
anyone who's going to pick it up and say, oh, we'll do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. We're not really interested. It's just there. We want schools to take it on board. But yeah, we've got other resources now as well for the year twos. We're just doing an integrated unit in year seven, which is a different way of doing things in secondary school. So if you go to primary school, you learn your English, math, science, all as one. But as soon as you get to secondary school, you have science class, you have maths class, you have geography class. The Department of Education is really keen on probably just moving more towards a primary school model. So you learn about water, but you're getting your geography outcomes, you're getting your English outcomes, your science and your maths outcomes all into one. So that's what we're doing as well. And we've got something called the Great NT Water Story, which is where the kids explore the past, present and the future of water. So they go back however far they can to find out how water was used in their place, wherever it was, whether that be in Tennant Creek or Alice Springs or Darwin or any, any of the remote communities, tapping into that knowledge the Aboriginal elders would have about their water use. And then what is it now? How do they get their water now in Tennant Creek or Alice Springs or Darwin? And it's like, well, gee, we used to value it. Now we don't so much. Maybe we should value it more. And then they do a pledge uh, about how they're going to use water now. So they never have showers longer than four minutes. So teenagers, of course, would be really good for this. But uh, that's the sort of thing we're, we're doing. Oh, well, I'll have to wait for it to come to me. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming in and sharing it with us, Joel, and telling us so about what's happening in the Northern Territory. Uh, as always, it's a pleasure. Thank you. And that was Joel Spry, Program Coordinator of Living Water Smart, a program run by the Power and Water Corporation in the Northern Territory. Thanks for joining us.